This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, everybody, and welcome into Hog Hoops Live, episode number six. I am your host, Curtis Wilkerson. You can find me alongside Trey Biddy and Danny West on the team over at hogsports.com. To some of you this morning, it might feel like the sky has fallen after what went down at Baton Rouge last night. It's not, I promise. We're going to dive into last night's disappointing and head-scratching performance at LSU. We're also going to preview a big weekend matchup for the Hogs at SEC leading Alabama. Need to vent. Want some answers? Throw your questions and comments in the chat. I'll try to get to those at the end. Do me a favor and keep it PG today. Once again, welcome in everybody to Hog Hoops Live. Okay. Before we get started, I do want to quickly remind everybody all the ways that you can watch or listen to the show. Uh, Make sure you like our Hog Sports page here. On Facebook, you can subscribe to our Hog Hoops Live YouTube page. Hog Hoops Live has its own YouTube page. Uh, You can also find us anywhere you listen to your podcast, whether that's Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it, we're probably there. Uh, You'll find those in the same place that you listen to Hog Sports Live with Trey. Uh, Throw us a like, five-star review, leave a comment. All those things are greatly appreciated. Let's get this out of here. Let's talk a little basketball. Okay. You know, of all the possible outcomes that went through my head leading up to that LSU game last night, what actually happened really uh, never crossed my mind. You've got an Arkansas team that's coming off a 30-point win, picking up some steam. They have some momentum, have a huge week ahead uh, with a chance to really establish themselves uh, and boost the resume, right? A big week here kind of cements your status, you know, as part of the cool kids club, right? At the at the top of the SEC in terms of NCAA tournament projections and things like that. And it's still early, but it would. Probably had a little bit of revenge on your mind, to be quite honest. I mean, I, I know I know Arkansas beat LSU in Bud Walton Arena last year, but the way that, that they were physically dominated in Baton Rouge uh, on the glass a year ago, you almost felt like you needed to go back to that place to exercise some demons in that arena, Right. You know, to me, it seemed like Arkansas had every single reason in the world to come out focused and, and intense and fired up for a really big opportunity. Uh, quite honestly, I can't sugarcoat it here. The Hogs were none of those things last night. And, and that's what made it disappointing and, and confusing and unfortunate and all those things. You know, a loss in this game wasn't going to be a backbreaker. Uh, but the optics of the way that it wound up happening, the, you know, the eye test and things like that, that matters. Uh, and it will hurt them a little bit, and actually it did. They dropped eight spots in the net rankings. Uh, we're sitting pretty at number 21, uh, dropped down to number 29 after last night's game. But, you know, they're still in a pretty good spot. I mean, 29, you're solidly in in the NCAA tournament projections. You can really uh, make up for all of that with a good performance over the weekend at Alabama. You know, like I said, the sky isn't falling. Last night was rough. It's okay to be ticked off. I was ticked off last night. I, I'm sure the players were. Musselman was. You know, you never want to have that kind of performance. But we've seen this team bounce back. You know, no need to abandon ship just yet. There's still half a season to be played. And, and really, uh, if they handle their business, a much more favorable stretch of games that are coming soon. But let's dive into this one last night. You know, looking at it here, things started out okay. I mean, you get offensive rebounds and putbacks right away from Vance Jackson and Moses Moody. Great. That's exactly what you wanted to see coming out of the gates. Connor Vanover hits a three. You're up seven to four. Awesome. Then the wheels fell off, right? And so LSU goes on a 40 to six run over the next 10 minutes or so. 40 to six. Uh, Arkansas was down 44 to 13 at one point in the first half. It, that can't be happening. They're better than that. I, I just, uh, 
was really floored by seeing that. I, I think the you know it seemed like the guys were kind of in shell shock also. Uh, just you know from a basketball standpoint, you know offensively Arkansas couldn't find any rhythm. Uh, LSU, you know to their credit defensively they were mixing things up. They showed some two two one. Uh, pressure a one-three-one that they would extend or trap out of at times. They they ran some matchup, uh, so they were really mixing up their looks. It, to be honest, though, you know why teams switch up looks like that defensively? It's because they can't defend. Okay, you try to hide the deficiencies by keeping the opponent guessing and mixing it up like that, and it, it worked for LSU last night. But they're not a great defensive team by any measure. I mean, I think they're probably better than they get credit for, and they proved that last night. But, you know, Georgia went into that building and scored 92 points one week ago. So just a really uncharacteristic and, and kind of bizarre performance. Arkansas just – I wrote an article about this on hogsports.com. They just seemed out of sorts. Uh, not really a lot of sharpness and, and the, the cutting and the crisp movement off the ball, with the ball, a little bit of aimless dribbling. They, they really did – especially in the first half for that you know 15 minute stretch there they looked like they they didn't really know where to go or, or what to do as if it was the first time they had seen what LSU was doing well I guarantee you that wasn't the case okay I, I guarantee you it wasn't the case Musselman goes overboard in terms of his his preparation his attention to detail I mean you know it's bad when Eric Musselman uses all of his timeouts Right, and, and he did last night. He even said after the game, hey, if I had three more, five more, ten more, I would have called all of them. He's trying to find some answers. You know, we asked Jalen Williams after the game. Uh, we had him in the press conference. You know, what, what was the message in those timeouts? And he basically said, well, you know, Muscle's just trying to figure out what we were doing and, 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 and why we weren't playing with intensity and fight and all those things. Uh, so looking for answers. You know, the sharpness and the focus that we've come to expect, for, for whatever reason, it was missing last night. You know, and, and to complicate things, Arkansas was getting some good looks during that stretch when LSU went on the ridiculous run. Uh, they just weren't falling. You know, luckily, J.D. Note, he caught fire there towards the end of the half. Arkansas went on a little 12-0 run, got it down to 20 at the break. I know you're thinking, wow, cool, you're within 20 points, big deal, but... I mean, <laughs> it could have been a lot worse. They were down, I think, as much as 31 at one point. So, you know, kind of cut into it a little bit there. I thought they were more aggressive and, and more efficient to a degree in the second half. Still never really found a rhythm. And, and kind of like Coach Muss said after the game, some of those are, are kind of hollow stats. When a team is up by that much like LSU was, they were in cruise control, you know. Uh, defensively, you know, with with that, honestly, I'm more surprised at the lack of offense, I think. But, you know, defensively, you know, coming into the game, I think Arkansas was worried about some matchups, particularly with LSU's forwards, Trendon Watford and Darius Days. Uh, there's just two players that Arkansas can't seem to clone and get on their roster right now. Uh, you would like to have that type of player, you know, just a, a great combination of big strong physical they can shoot it they can drive it they can post up they can rebound you know, kind of a good mixture of all those things with those two guys they combined for 41 points and 23 rebounds uh, through the game I, I'm honestly not sure what you could have done about that uh, you know I, I thought Jalen Williams did an okay job in there defending Vance struggled with those matchups. He had an off night offensively too. He's been really good for him lately. He'll he'll bounce back, but it's a that's a tough matchup for him. You know Moses Moody is a really good defender, but when you ask him to guard a guy like Trendon Watford, he's given up three inches and forty pounds. There's only so much he can do in that situation, especially you know with the way they got the ball to Watford at the elbow, where he made his killing, where it's just pulling up from there or, or driving it and using his body or getting to the foul line. Uh, I don't know. What do you do? You deny that pass at the elbow? Maybe try to have him throw it over the top and have help. I I don't know, uh, but that's a, that's a really tough matchup, and it showed. You know, this coaching staff—they've been trying to find ways to keep Connor Vanover involved, and and they they get really creative. They did last night. I mean, they actually they started Vanover, uh, and they put him on Mawani Wilkinson, who is the small forward, freshman small forward for LSU. They put him on a guard. And basically told him, hey, 
don't guard this dude on the perimeter. Hey, stay in the lane. Let's see if you can give us some extra rim protection. If he drives it in there, pick him up, box him out, whatever. Uh, but make him beat us from three. Kind of made sense on the surface. You never want to try to hide somebody defensively, but if you want to get him involved because of what he brings to the table, potentially as a shot blocker and then also offensively, that's a, that's an outside-the-box move. Kid hadn't made a three all year. Naturally, he pulls up and knocks down the first one. Uh, seems like that always happens, right? It's unbelievable how that happens to Arkansas. But, uh, you know, he knocked down that three, and then he, he, you know, he came backside off of a shot and almost put back a dunk on Vanover. And then, you know, next thing you know, the, the matchup, it, it just wasn't great for him. Connor Vanover, he, Vanover does offer some real value to this team. He, he really does. Okay, I know people are frustrated with what they've seen the last couple games, but there are just going to be some matchups, and I'm afraid Saturday against Alabama might be another one. They just don't benefit him uh, in terms of you know the mobility that's required to cover some of these hybrid forwards. Okay, unless you're going to run a zone, it's going to be really hard for him in certain games uh, to play huge minutes for you. There are going to be times when he can. Okay, he did against, uh, against Tennessee and did well. He struggled a little bit against Missouri, but he play, it's a matchup that he could play more in. I do anticipate Jalen Williams is going to be your starting center here at some point. You know, I, I think when you have to do so much mix and match with a guy like Vanover again, no knock on him, he, he does bring value to this team. Maybe, maybe it'll be better served coming off the bench. Start a guy like Jalen, who's a little bit more versatile and, and is coming into his own. I think he's playing well. And then, you know, with Vanover, when, when a team subs in a matchup that's favorable, boom, put him right in there. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen here in the near future. Who knows? Not the coach. After the game, we, we asked Moss, you know, after that performance, hey, did you see anything in, in pregame that maybe could have led to the slow start? Was it something LSU was doing? Is anything going on with the team behind the scenes? You know, this is the questions that you ask to try to dissect what the heck happened there? At the end of the day, sometimes performances like that happen, and they can't be explained, but they happen. Uh, okay, and I, I can relate to that a little bit. You know, I I was having flashbacks last night of when I was coaching. I, a lot of you know by now I I coached college ball at Lindenwood Belleville NAI school uh, for several years. You know, I think back to one specific time we took a road trip to Williams Baptist, Walnut Ridge, Arkansas, by the way. Really hard place to play. Um, tough team to play. Coach Austin does a good job over there. But anyway, you know, we, we hadn't won a game there in program history. We went, we played great. I mean, the, the guys were locked in. They executed the scouting report. We pounded them. It was my first wins and taking over as interim head coach in, in the midseason. It felt good. You know, we were in a position where we were right on that. It's very similar to Arkansas, coming off a big win, right on the cusp of being ranked, you know, being in that national tournament conversation. And two days later, we had a matchup at Freed Hardman in Tennessee. Good team, big rivalry game. My assistant coach played there. Uh, you know, we'd had conference championship battles in the past and things like that. We had a great uh, film session, practices, prep, all that leading up to the game. You know, I remember going in and giving the pregame speech, and, you know, the guys were all jacked up. They're bouncing around. Like they were, we were ready to play. Except, you know, we weren't <laughs> because when the ball tipped, all of a sudden we were back on our heels. The intensity wasn't there. The, the focus wasn't there. We didn't do really any of the things that we talked about doing. I called all our timeouts just like Muss did. Went to everybody on the bench just like Muss did. Couldn't find the answer. I remember feeling like this weird mix of like ticked off and baffled after the game, you know, I, and I walked into the locker room, was really ready to go nuts, right? You want to go in there and vent and let it out and, and yell at the guys and scream and all that. But I walked in, I saw everyone's faces. And those guys cared. Hey, they wanted it. The only question I wound up asking was, what happened, <laughs> guys? You know, And in truth, there was really no answer or explanation. My point is, some, sometimes these things happen. It doesn't mean it's okay. It doesn't make you feel any better but it also doesn't define you and doesn't have to carry on moving forward. I'll tell you right now, nobody hates losing more than, than Coach Muss. And I think that's part of what makes him such a good coach is he does everything in his power in preparation 
to avoid that feeling of a loss. I think he hates losing more than he loves winning. You hear a lot of coach say, coaches say that. Be all right. His track record speaks for itself. There's no, no need to abandon ship right now. Okay? The players care. The players care more than we do. Come on. I do think there are some things, obviously, that they need to clean up. they got to find some consistency. How do you do that? I don't know. You know, we asked Jalen Williams last night, and it was a combination of everything. Got to focus more, buy in more, play better, execute better, all those things. Okay. That's a start. You know, I, I think trying to, to find, you know, Musselman called all those timeouts because he was trying to rally the troops, right? Well, who's the guy on the floor that's going to do that? I think that's a question right now for this team. I think maybe it was Justin Smith before his injury, you know, a senior played in the Big Ten and big games, all those minutes, kind of a calming presence that could regroup everybody uh, when a team makes a run like LSU did last night. Who's that guy right now? That's one thing about being so balanced is, you know, you can turn to several different guys when you need a bucket to score, but who's that calming presence on the floor? It could be Jalen Tate. You'd like it to be Desi Sills, maybe. Um, you know, even a freshman – like Moses Moody could, you know, ascend to that role. Uh, but I think maybe that's something that they are still trying to define. And again, we still got half of the season to play. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. No reason to doubt that they'll turn it back around. Remember, you're going to have one, maybe more players who are out right now that are on the men that could help you soon. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. And... <laughs> You know, last thing before I move on from this LSU game, right before I started the show, I, I got some tweets from Shot Quality. It's a really cool site. They, they kind of track the progression of games based on the quality of shots that both teams are taking. Uh, I, I got turned on to that by Brock Davis, uh, one, of my, one of my buddies on Twitter. Shout out to Brock if you're listening. Uh, let, me, let me pull this up real quick. I apologize for going to my phone, but uh, via Shot Quality, one of the most shocking outcomes of the season thus far – Arkansas lost by 16, but based on shots attempted by both teams, the Razorbacks were supposed to win by four. Overall, Arkansas had a 58% chance of winning based on the shots attempted by both teams. They broke down the biggest differences in the box score based on the shots taken. For Arkansas, Moses Moody was expected five more points. Vance Jackson, six more. Devontae Davis, seven more. For LSU, Trenton Wofford was expected five less, and Darius Days was expected six less. So basically, after all that, it can be summed up as LSU made tough shots and Arkansas missed easy ones. <laughs> okay. So, you know, with everything else going on where they looked a little bit lost and out of sync and you know, start asking all these questions about what in the world's going on, well, Got to make the easy shots, and LSU made some tough ones. And so got to find a little bit more balance there. But I thought that was a really interesting statistic there from shot quality. Okay, let's get into Alabama a little bit here. And, and, and here's the deal. This, these matchup breakdowns and things like that, it, 
it doesn't matter if we still get the Jekyll and Hyde act from the Razorbacks. Okay? They have to find consistency. And it's really key right now. It's been a little bit of a roller coaster with this team since SEC play started. Some of that came with you know losing Justin Smith 10 minutes into it. Uh, you know, but looked really good against Auburn, had the downswing against Missouri, a little better coming up, you know, against Tennessee. You blow George out, and then boom, you're going back down the hill with LSU. So let's let's start trending back up here. Uh, they have to bring it on Saturday against the Crimson Tide. If they do, they can absolutely win the game. Absolutely can. If they don't, I mean, we see what can happen with this team. Let's assume they're going to come out ready to play with a chip on their shoulder, though, because I have a feeling Muss is going to make sure that that happens. You know, looking at Alabama, I, I think we probably all agreed coming into the season they were super talented on paper. There were some questions with them, right? Are, are they going to play defense? How sustainable is it? You know, their style of they shoot 45 threes a game or whatever, you know, with, with the hot and cold. How sustainable is that? It's working so far. <laughs> I mean, sheesh. 5-0 and in SEC play, they're rolling. They look, they look really good. Their SEC wins so far, check this out. Okay? So win over Ole Miss at Tennessee, beat Florida at home, at Auburn, and then at Kentucky. That's impressive. They beat the hell out of Kentucky in Rupp Arena Tuesday, despite having basically three starters out with injury. Beat them by 20 in Rupp. Uh, Kentucky, uh, we'll get into them when it's time for the Razorbacks to play them. It's not your typical Kentucky team, but still, to go into that arena and do that is pretty impressive. Let me pull up their stats real quick. Alabama, this is an interesting team. Jaden Shackelford lead them in scoring. He, they're, they're a balanced team, kind of like Arkansas. In, in terms of the you know the number of guys that have scoring a decent amount of points, the options that they have, but Shackelford scoring thirteen and a half a game, twenty six to seventy four from three, thirty five percent, six three guard. Remember him from last year, really nice player. John Petty Jr. Uh, had a really slow start to the season, was not shooting it well at all, which is surprising. He's a very good shooter. You guys remember him, six five wing, uh, really tough matchup. He's averaging thirteen point three. He's kind of figured it out. Uh, his three-point percentage is up to 35%. They got Javon Quinterly at point guard. So Quinterly, uh, transferred from Villanova, he set out last year, has played this year. He's, he's been starting at the point for him. He's averaging 13 a game. He's missed the last three games. I don't know if he's in quarantine or, or what might be going on there. They, they say it's like a medical-related deal. Uh, I heard Nate Oates, Alabama's coach, say, I guess it was yesterday, that he's day-to-day -day and that they hope to have him back. Arkansas, so I, I prepare to have him there. Herb Jones, uh, really strong player for, for Alabama. I think he's really coming into his own. 6'8", really versatile guy. Um, he's averaging 12.5 per game. Lead him in rebounds with 6 per game. Really good defender, kind of a leader on the floor. Uh, he, he's the guy who broke his wrist last year and was playing with the the splint or whatever on his hand, he's still out there shooting one-handed free throws and, and things like that. Now, he uh, dislocated a finger in the game against Kentucky, and he's day-to-day. He's -day. I, you know, I don't know, maybe he misses the game uh, you know, with the swelling and, and everything like that, or he might be out there with a splint on again, and if he is, you know, that, that will obviously impact you know, his ability to drive it both ways, to, to shoot, rebound, and things like that, but still uh, would be a presence certainly on the defensive end if he's available. Josh Primo, really talented uh, freshman guard, 6'6". He runs the point for him. Uh, young guy, doing a nice job. He's, he's averaging eight per game for him. Jordan Bruner's their starting center. It's a transfer from Yale. Arkansas was, was hot on him for a while in the transfer portal. Um, he's a guy who is, is you know 6'9", athletic. He can put on the floor a little bit, can shoot the three, rebound all those things. Uh, he's going to be out for this game. Unfortunately, suffered a meniscus tear against Kentucky, so uh, Alabama will be without him. And then they'll have to turn you know, to, to other guys like Alex Reese and James Rojas. That's a pair of you know, 6'8", 225, 230, kind of strong physical guys. Reese can shoot it a little bit from the outside. So uh, a lot of different options there with this Alabama team. Now, I'm Pretty impressed. You know, Nate Oates has those guys bought in defensively. And, 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 you know, then on the other end, if you think Eric Musselman allows his guys to play with freedom 
you got to watch an Alabama game. There's there's no such thing as a bad shot in that program. They let it fly. They they really do. But here's the deal, though. You know these these guys are they're five and zero. They're on top of the the league in the SEC. Probably one of the hottest teams in the country. And I know Arkansas is coming off of you know kind of the downer against LSU, but call me crazy. I like the matchup. <laughs> okay, I, I really do. Uh, you know, everyone talks about Alabama's firepower on offense, and it's there. And they can be really good. Guess what? Arkansas scores more points. They can be really good when they bring it. You saw that against Georgia, against Auburn. Those performances were incredible. If Arkansas plays like that with that type of efficiency, they can score with Bama, no doubt about it. Everybody talks about Alabama's you know ability to shoot the three. Guess what? Arkansas averages almost identical amount of threes per game made as Alabama. Arkansas's rebounded the ball better. They've turned the ball over less. I'm not calling it an easy win here, (laughs) but Arkansas is absolutely not overmatched in this game. They just have to show up, get off the bus, play to their capabilities. You know, listen, I'd, I'd like the matchup a lot more if Justin Smith was healthy and full go. I, I think Justin Smith is is kind of Arkansas's version of what, what Herb Jones is to Alabama. You know, uh, and, and both of them might be out. I, you know, there's a, there's a chance that Herb Jones plays. There's a chance that Justin Smith plays. We'll see. We'll talk about that a little bit here at the end. Um, but, you know, both those guys, long, athletic, they can defend multiple positions, kind of a leader on the floor. We'll see. But, you know, if, if Herb Jones is impacted and then, you know, Bruner's out, that means they're starting four and five would be, you know, impacted or unavailable in this game. That's a lot of rebounding, a lot of size, and a lot of athleticism they have to replace. So all of a sudden, you know, they're throwing out those guys like Alex Reese and James Rojas that I mentioned earlier for more extended minutes. And those, those two guys can play. They can hold their own. Don't get me wrong. But then where's the depth behind them? And that's where things like foul trouble – uh, you know, and their tempo that they like to play with and things like that come into play. I Arkansas can score in this game. I, I know that, you know, the Missouri game was frustrating. Last night was frustrating. They can score in this game. Auburn put 90 on them last week. You have to take care of the basketball. You can't turn it over and, and let a team like Alabama get out and transition and get easy baskets. Those are killers. But really, defense is going to be the key against the Tide. You know, I, I thought, you know, I was listening to the press conferences after the game, and uh, Kentucky's Dante Allen, guard over there, he, he had a, a quote that stuck with me, and he said, let me pull it up here. He said after the game against Alabama, honestly, it was like playing a pickup game, getting shots up quick and driving to the basket freely. We knew going into this game it was going to be like a Hooper's game. And he's 100% right. With the way Alabama plays offensively, it's all about putting five perimeter threats on the floor, spreading the defense out as wide as possible, and attacking in isolation. One-on-one matchups where it's either a layup or a kick-out three. The end. That's it. There's no in-between with those guys. They're really good at it. (laughs) Okay, But in a game like this, I think on-ball defense, those one-on-one matchups are going to be so important. So who can slap their hands on the court, dig their heels in, and keep their man in front. A team defense and, and help side rotations and things like that, those are all important. But really, if you get to that point against Alabama, you're already screwed, and you just have to hope that they miss a shot. And really playing that one-on-one defense and eliminating straight-line drives is going to be so important. They're hard to guard, but they don't present the type of matchup nightmares for Arkansas that LSU did with guys like Days and Watford. It's, it's a different kind of difficulty when it, when it comes to guarding these guys. Arkansas's got some good on-ball defenders, too. They do. There's some guys who get lost off the ball that, that causes some problems, but you know Jalen Tate, very talented on-ball defender, 6'6", long, athletic. I think that's a good matchup for Petty. Devo Davis, we've seen him. I mean, he had an off game last night, but just tenacious as an on-ball defender. I, I like what I see from him. I think you could stick him on Primo, Quinterly if he's back, and, and he might be able to give those guys some fits. 
at least keep him in front. Desi Sills is a good on-ball defender that can match the physicality of a, of a guy like Shackelford, who's strong, physical when he drives. Moses Moody can defend on the ball. So, you know, I think the one-on-one matchups there, uh, Arkansas can hold their own. I really think so. And trust me, I mean, you'd rather have to defend Reese and Rojas than Herb Jones and Jordan Bruner. Okay, and it's no knock on those guys. Like I said, it's just a fact, right? You know, looking at the big picture with things here, Arkansas, I feel like a broken record. Every time I come on here, I'm like, oh, this is kind of a must-win game for the Hogs. And it was last week against Georgia. That was a really important game. You look at this one, you know, again, it's not the end of the world, but you don't want to fall to two and four in the league. You do have a little bit more favorable stretch coming up. Uh, but Auburn's not going to be a pushover when they come into to Bud Walton next week. Now with Sharif Cooper eligible now, the five-star point guard, has uh, really changed the dyma- dynamic of that team. So that's going to be another tough one before you hit a little bit of a lighter stretch. There's no gimmies in the SEC. But they need to dig deep, find a way to steal a win here at Alabama. And I just have this hunch, and like I hinted at earlier, I feel like they're going to get it done. I, re- I really do. It's important, though. You don't you don't want those questions to start to creep in. Is Arkansas for real? You know, are they, are they good enough to compete at the top of the league? Who have they beaten? I hate that. You want to shut everybody up? Go take down the number one team in the league on Saturday, and they're capable of doing it, and they need to. If you, you know, I talked about those net rankings earlier, and they're so important. I mean, that's what's used for NCAA tournament selection and seeding. Right? Well, you're sitting at you're at 21. Now you're down at 29. Okay, you want to jump right back into into a good position. Get this win. They break down uh, your opponents based on quadrants, and so the the big thing in the net is you want to get as many quad one wins as you possibly can. So those are against you know top 30 teams at home or top 75 teams on the road. And you want to avoid the quad three and quad four losses against, you know, mid-low majors. So Arkansas has done that part of the equation, but they don't have a quad one win right now. They did for a minute with Auburn, but then Auburn got on that losing streak and they dropped down into the 90s. So right now, Arkansas is over in those quad one opportunities. They had one last night. They fell. Uh, and that's something that, that the, the selection committee really scrutinizes. Well, Alabama is another one of those opportunities. There's, there's honestly not a ton of those left, and things can change because, the, I mean, these rankings, they fluctuate daily. But, you know, after Saturday, the uh, the SEC Big 12 game at Oklahoma State, that's a quad one. Probably the return to Missouri. Um, yeah, I mean, you get LSU and, and Alabama back here. They'd need to be in the top 30 at that point to fall into that category. So um, got to start racking a few of those quality wins up. They're capable. And then you think about the SEC standings. You know, like I said, you don't want to fall to two and four. Really the goal, and and you don't like to say this, but it's true, You know, when you lose a guy like Justin Smith, you really just want to avoid kind of the slide that you had when Isaiah Joe was out last year where you hit that 0-5 stretch. We got one win over Georgia, which is good, uh, you know. But to, to pick one up like this and to just kind of keep yourself just head above water until you're back to full health and you can really make a run, then you're okay. If you if you dig yourself in too deep of a hole, then you're taking all the time to dig your way back out of it. When you start playing well, you want to play catch up. It's a big game. The SEC is weird enough as it is already. I mean, there's a lot of parity in the league. Add in these game cancellations uh, with programs that are on pause right now. You know, South Carolina, and it's unfortunate. You feel for them. They played one SEC game. It's crazy. Missouri's been on pause now. I mean, they're going to have three, four games that have been, you know, canceled, postponed. I I don't know. Are they going to make those up? I don't know how that's going to work. Vanderbilt's been hit with it. You know, teams are having to adjust schedules. It's wild. So what do you do if you have teams that play, you know, 12, 13, 14 games in league play and others who play the full 18? 
how, what do you do for conference tournament seating? Or do we even have a conference tournament? Or what is it going to look like? It's just, uh, it's a wild time. Wild time. And that's why it's so important, I think, for Arkansas to take advantage of the opportunities in front of them right now and solidify themselves. Big game on Saturday. Great opportunity. I mentioned Justin Smith uh, on the men. Maybe Saturday. We'll see. I, I still think it's a long shot, but it's possible. You know, we we talked to to Musselman earlier in the week, and he said, "Hey, he's you know he seems to be healing fast, pain free, and things along that you know of that nature." But he hasn't practiced yet. Well, Monday he was able to do about the must said twenty five to twenty seven minutes of you know being on the floor with the team through some non contact drills and segments and things like that. Um, not sure what he did, you know, Tuesday, maybe participate and shoot around with the team on Wednesday. Uh, but we'll see, you know, at, at the end of the day, really the progression has to be, are you, as long as you don't have a ridiculous amount of soreness, you can continue to move forward pain-free and then you start challenging them more, you know, more cutting, jumping and dynamic things, you, you know, and you get into some, you know, live full speed, full court type drills at practice before you make him game available. If he, if he is able to sneak in there and play on uh, Saturday, it'll probably be in a limited fashion. I think any Justin Smith is better than none. We'll, we'll see. It'd be cool if he did. Uh, I, I think maybe next week against Auburn is a little more realistic. I mean, he's they said three to six weeks, and he's not even three weeks post-surgery yet. So still a little bit of time there with him. We'll see. Fast tour, though. Obviously, the team lost – K.K. Robinson, since last episode of the, a foot fracture surgery out for the season, that's tough. You feel for a guy like K.K., such a good kid, nice kid. Uh, you know, and, and Musselman talked about how he's been working so hard and that he felt like even though the minutes weren't necessarily there at the end for K.K., probably because he was playing hurt, but that he was kind of on that same trajectory or plane that guys like Devo and Jalen Williams have been as freshmen as they've started to ascend into bigger roles. So, you know, hopefully he gets healed comes back strong, you know, has, has a good summer and then gets in next year. It's going to be really important for the Hogs. I think, you know, KK is a guy who you could really lean on at that point guard position in the future. So, you know, best wishes to him to heal up quickly. Kamani Johnson, we'll give our weekly update. There is none. <laughs> so, you know, we asked, asked Muss about that, the, the transfer from Little Rock. He's been practicing with the team, working hard. Uh, getting acclimated, building chemistry, all those things are really important. Uh, is the NCAA ever going to rule on his eligibility waiver? I don't know. Uh, hopefully at some point soon, uh, you know, we get, get an answer there one way or the other. You know, you feel for a kid to be in flux like that. And, and given some of the issues that, you know, Arkansas has been having on the interior in terms of, you know, physicality and things like that in the lane, might be a dude that could have helped you in some of these last few games, and you never know moving forward, you know, what might happen, you know, knock on wood with, with, with COVID and injuries or things like that. Uh, but you'd love to have that kind of guy available. They can get in there and snatch boards and, and be physical on the interior, get to the free throw line. So we'll see what happens with Kamani. And then what was really interesting, Abiomi, Bebe, he's like the forgotten man, right? So set out last season – with uh, with Connor Vanover and J.D. Note as a, as a transfer from Stetson, he he played under assistant coach Corey Williams at Stetson. Was a nice player for them for two years. About nine point six boards per game, six uh, nine, two hundred and thirty pounds. He he tore his ACL over the summer. I think that happened in June or maybe early July. So he's really been going through the rehab process, uh, and it sounds like he's getting close maybe a couple weeks away from being cleared. I, I think Musselman said maybe, the, you know, the beginning of February. So, yeah, I mean, a couple weeks away. Be interesting to see with him. I mean, another big, big body to go in there and rebound and take up some space. Is he any good at this level? I, it's hard to say. But what does he do for depth? 6'9", 230. Like I said, that's, that's a big body. So could be intriguing, could be, you know, adding some pieces here down the stretch and, you know, like we learned last season in SEC play, you know, when Arkansas was so shorthanded that it got to about this point, and then there's a stretch where they just looked so dog tired, uh, and and that was tough on them. 
and not having those legs affects shooting percentages and, and your defense and things like that. So being able to restore some depth down the stretch could be huge for this team. Okay. Let's see if we got any questions today. All right, here we go. So for Michelle Rava, she's in the next room. <laughs> Hoping this was just a brain fart and we see more consistency of good play like we saw last weekend with Georgia. Yeah, I agree. You know, it, it, when you have – a lot of people call this a young team. Uh, and I think when they say that, they don't mean young in terms of you got a ton of freshmen who are out there. I think it's young in terms of new to the program, right? So let's make that distinction. But when you have a young team – and you think about you have essentially of the guys who are contributing right now, Desi's the only one that's that's played with Muss in this system. And the three grad transfers are from other programs. JD and Connor hadn't played in a year. And then obviously you have the the actual freshmen that are in there. So with that, it takes time. It takes some time for guys to to really gel together and to do it on a consistent basis. Right? Well, the point was to kind of do that over that non-conference slate where you could, you know, get away with some missteps and probably still win games. And I thought they did that for the most part. But uh, now that you're in league play and, and you're playing a man down, it's so important. And Musselman talked about how important it was to have consistency because he wants to know what he's getting himself into. That's how you build rotations. Okay? And you can't build chemistry without having a consistent rotation. But if your players aren't playing consistently – then your hands are kind of tied. So hopefully, hopefully yes. Trey, how do you go from losing by five at Tennessee a week ago, even with 20 turnovers, to just laying an egg in Baton Rouge? I don't know. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I thought it was really interesting to see the way Arkansas bounced back from that Missouri game where they, they kind of got hammered at home to play as well as they did at Tennessee. And, you know, then you kind of have the inverse of that where they played so well at home against Georgia and then you lay an egg at LSU. I do think a lot of it, well, some of it was matchup related. When we talked about those guys like Darius Days and Trenton Wofford, I'm, I'm going to have nightmares about saying those names over and over, but, man, those guys are tough. And it's just a nightmare matchup for Arkansas, especially without Justin Smith in there. So uh, I think that was some of it. And then they were just flat. And, you know, again, for whatever reason, the focus and the intensity wasn't there last night. I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to ask anyone in that locker room why that was the case and for them to be able to give a good answer. Sometimes it just happens. And, you know, a lot of times you'll see a team make a run early in a game and get up by 15, 18, whatever, and you kind of weather the storm, Right. And then you get back on track. And Arkansas never really weathered that storm and got back on track. Or they just dug themselves in too big of a hole on a 40-6 to six run, which is insane. Um, so it's tough. Got to bounce back. How much does not having Justin Smith play into Vanover's lack of production? I think it's huge. I really do. Uh, you know, when you have Justin Smith at that, at that four spot, who's so versatile and so athletic around the rim, uh, he's kind of like a safety net for Vanover in there uh, so he can kind of you know get back and protect him on some of the things that that Vanner that excuse me that Connor is vulnerable with uh, with his mobility and things of that nature and and just his presence and being in there makes Vanover that more uh, that much more of a strong player in terms of he can stay in there and block shots and not have to worry about them dumping off to the guy right beside him and finishing which is what you see a lot of times Connor will will step over and he's not the most fleet of foot on a drive, and then they dump off to his guy for a dunk. Okay? Well, when you have a defender that's as smart as Justin Smith, he's dropping down and taking that away. So then it becomes more of a, of a block opportunity from the weak side for Vanover, which is where he excels. So, yeah, I, I agree. You know, Without Smith in there, it's kind of amplifying some of the weaknesses there with Connor. Cedric White says, I could be wrong, but I believe Arkansas is still trying to find who they are and who the offense runs through. Until that guy steps up, they're going to play up and down. Every team has that guy. Yeah, it's true. You know, I, I did ask that early in the season in the non-conference. You know, 
at the time, Arkansas had, had like five different guys who led the team in scoring. And I said, hey, you know, it's, that's great in terms of playing with balance and having multiple options and it probably makes you difficult to prepare for. But how important is it to have that guy? Like you said, who is that guy? Where things break down, give him the rock. And, and for a while, I thought J.D. Note was going to emerge there, and I, I still think he's your best option just in terms of what he can do off the dribble, creating, and things like that. Um, but then, you know, when you run into situations like we had against LSU where they're on this huge run and you need somebody to just rally the troops and, and get everyone organized and be that, that vocal leader and coach on the floor, uh, JD's not the he's not the most talkative guy in the world, so I don't know if that's the best role for him. He's the let me go get you a bucket guy. So then you look to guys like, you know, maybe Tate or Desi, and then you have to ask the question, you know, in terms of their prowess offensively, is that the best option? And then you think about Moses Moody. Well, he's super consistent and has been great, one of the best freshmen in the country, but he's still a young guy. So every, every time he goes out and steps on the floor in SEC play, he's experiencing something for the first time. So I don't know. And, and I think you're right. I, I think part of that, trying to identify those roles, uh, is what's kind of leading to that lack of consistency. It's a good point. Rick Hogan says, Tate had his worst game. He'll be back. Disappointing thing is the lack of defensive effort. Too many turnovers, still a young team. How about a five-guard lineup? when they employ that half-court zone press. Yeah, uh, you know, to speak to Tate first, it wasn't his best performance. <laughs> you know, it, it really wasn't. He struggled, got it going a little bit there at the end, but uh, was bitten by the turnover bug, some there. Uh, you know, I think those different looks that LSU was throwing out there impacted him a little bit, um, especially as a guy who's not – I mean, he's played some point guard in the past, but it's not like he's been a point guard – for his entire career at Northern Kentucky. A lot of times he, he played off the ball. So he had some experience there, but, you know, it's it's a different look for him. And I agree, he'll bounce back. Uh, you know, the, the defensive effort, yeah, you know, especially early, that was tough. And I, I think they just got put back on their heels a little bit when LSU hit that hot streak. Like, oh, man, what, what the heck is going on here? Uh, and it took them a while to recover. And then I, I think LSU – you know, credit to them. They did a really good job of getting the matchups that they wanted with Watford at the elbow and days or, or getting Cam Thomas in isolation and, and taking advantage of that. I mean, those are those are great players, those guys. So the five guard lineup, yeah, I mean at times you almost do have five guards out there. If, I think if you played Vance Jackson at the five, um, he's basically a big guard, right? Then you could throw Devo Desi, Note, and Tate, or, or, or Moody, whoever, uh, could be a better look when you're getting heated up like that. But then you have to think on the flip side, you know, what are we going to do defensively when you're already struggling to guard some of those big athletic hybrid forwards like LSU? Uh, <laughs> then, then you're amplifying things further by putting smaller guys on them. But, it, I mean, not like anyone else had a, a ton of success there. So, could get a little bit more uh, active with the hands and, and maybe do some trapping and pressing of their own. Um, they did do a little bit of press towards the end of the game. Robert James Hurst says, how many slow starts do we have to go through before Muss doesn't start Connor and instead starts Jalen Williams? Also think we need to start J.D. Note. That's my opinion. Yeah, the, the slow starts, that's hard. You never want to dig yourself in a hole early, especially on the road. It's all about getting comfortable, getting your feet under you in a new arena in uh, a new environment and getting a little bit of confidence and momentum going. Uh, they've been having the opposite of that. Even against Georgia, they had a little bit of a slow start there. Uh, you know, with Connor, like I said, uh, the staff is getting really creative and trying to find ways to, to keep him involved so they can maximize his strengths and, and hide some of those weaknesses. When they're playing teams like Georgia and LSU and, and like I said, I think maybe Alabama where those matchups just don't favor him. So, uh, tried to get creative and outside the box last night by putting him on a non-shooter. And, of course, the guy knocks down a shot. Um, I could I could see a scenario where Jalen Williams becomes your starting center here at some point. I could see matchups, you know, when the team regains health where you have Vance Jackson and Justin Smith 
playing the four and five, and, and the team goes small. And I could see games where Vanover starts at the five and does well. So I, I think, you know, and Musselman's alluded to this, anytime you lose a game, you try to figure out why it happened and, and avoid that happening again. He's so big, you know, whereas Mike Anderson was a guy who's, hey, forget what the other team is doing, we're going to do our thing. Musselman's the opposite, and it's kind of the, M- the NBA background in him where uh, he's going to really dissect what opponents do and try to put the team in the best position, whether that be with matchups or, or who he starts or you know the sets they run and things like that, uh, to put them in a spot to be successful. So I, I think we'll probably still see some lineup shuffling. Scott Matthews says Williams is going to be a key piece for us down the stretch. Had seven points and ten rebounds last night. If he can continue to improve over the next few games, he can be the difference maker. I, I really like Jalen Williams. Uh, he's a big guy. I mean, at, at 6'10", uh, you know, still he, he's young okay, in terms of becoming physically developed. But he's got a great frame, probably 235 or so right now. Uh, and a guy that's only going to get bigger and stronger in the weight room, but he's pretty mobile. I think he's more mobile, you know, and able to, to operate on the perimeter than he gets credit for. Um, you know, he's strong enough to hold his own in the post. He loves to take charges, and he can block a shot, which I think is interesting. Usually guys do one or the other. You have a 6'10 guy that will take a charge and then, you know, come across on the weak side. He's got some pretty emphatic, you know, heavy hitter blocks in there, and you like to see that. Um, volume rebounder. It's all things that this team really needs. He communicates. He's a smart player. He's a good teammate. I love all that. Uh, does need to cut down on the turnovers, as do as do several guys right now. But um, it's kind of a freshman thing where you know he's he's kind of moving before he gets the ball, and we'll get hit with the the shuffle call on the travel, or uh, puts it on the floor and gets it stolen by a smaller guard. Those are all things that improve over time when you got a young guy like that. But, yeah, I like Jalen Williams a lot. I think he does have a lot of upside offensively. And uh, Muss alluded to that in the presser that we had with him earlier in the week where he said, hey, you know, we get a, a year from now or whatever, and he's going to be a big-time threat from three. And, and that's something that people forget because he's not taking a lot of them right now. Jalen Williams can step out there and shoot it. Okay? So a uh, really bright future for him. I think he is going to continue to get better and be a big piece down the stretch. MP Rich says, Woo Pig Suey. I think the Hogs will show up for Bama. Get ready. I do too. I do too. I got a good feeling about it. Hope I'm right. Hope you're right. Hope we're right. Anthony Tenner says, Why are Bigs playing around the perimeter and not playing, having their backs against the rim? Yeah, that's just, uh, that's just the style. That's just the style that they have. Um, you know, it's kind of the way that basketball is going in terms of getting more athletic guys uh, with some size that can that can operate on the perimeter, and you don't see as many of those traditional back to the basket, you know, big bruiser type post. I love those guys. You know, give me give me two guys in there like Corliss, and I'm I'm a happy man. Uh, that's not the way the game's going, and it's not this. It's not really Mus's system. You know, he's all about the pace and, and space. And he loves all those guys that are, you know, 6'6 to 6'8, long athletic that can operate on the perimeter. But um, you would like to have at least one guy that you can dump it in there onto the block, make a post move, you know, right hand over the left shoulder off the glass, easy money, uh, when the team needs a bucket. Because that can stop a run. And, and they don't really have that guy right now. Uh, maybe it's something they'll address in the transfer portal. But, um, yeah, it's just a stylistic thing. I think with Muss. David L. Harris, watching in at work. I appreciate that. Uh, so I just have to say Jackson is not it. Vanover has to produce more. Also, I feel Note has to start. Uh, he be hooping. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I tell you what, um, Jackson had a, he, I mean, he had a rough game last night, but a lot of guys did. Um, I wouldn't write him off. I mean, he, he's shown the capabilities that he has in the last couple games, which you have to remember with a guy like Vance is – it's kind of the issue with the team right now is consistency has been a problem for him throughout his career. And he's a guy who can take over a game and win it for you, which is great. Um, or he can, you know, kind of disappear to a degree like he did last night. And so there's no reason to think that he can't come back out against Alabama and have another huge game. He was, he was huge uh, in the last two games, Tennessee and Georgia for the team. So I wouldn't write him off just yet. Uh, Vanover, yeah, I mean, you would like to have more production there. 
I think if he was shooting as well as he's capable of from three right now, uh, we wouldn't be so worried about what's going on on the defensive end. Because if he's trading threes for twos, then you're okay. He's been in a little bit of slump from three, so it's hurting him. And and I somebody else mentioned a little bit earlier about J.D. Note getting the start, uh, and, I, and I forgot to touch on that. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing. You want to get off to a faster start. He's clearly your creator offensively. And, and I, I think two things really for him that, that are keeping him out of the starting lineup right now is, one, they've been asking for more from him defensively all season, and he's been getting better, okay, especially as an on-ball defender. He's still got some work to do on that end. Uh, and if he's going to be in there as a starter, probably want to see him uh, you know, as a little bit better of a distributor, uh, especially if he's going to be playing some point guard. So those are two things there, but I, I agree in terms of you know having somebody come in and probably your best creator and scorer, uh, you probably want them in the starting lineup. So I, I understand that thought from it. You also like to have a little bit of punch off the bench. Now, if Desi's back in his six-man role, I think you should put Note maybe into that starting lineup to have a little bit of balance there. Last night, the bench outscored the starters 43-33. to that, that shouldn't happen. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I think there's something to be said for Note starting. But, you know, up until last night, he's a guy who has kind of consistently played pretty bad in the first half and been really good in the second half, and which is probably another reason why he wasn't starting. But he played really well. He's the only guy I thought that played well in the first half, at least last night. Uh, let's see, Anthony Tinner, this is the only year that Alabama playing with Oates is playing with Oates, and so far they're in first place. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I guess it's his second year there, but uh, he's done a really good job recruiting to his style, and, and right now they're playing extremely well, no doubt about it. Billy D. Wilkerson says Alabama's going to beat us. Come on, man. You're Wilkerson. We share the last name. we got to be on the same page here. Hey, you know, they very well could, I mean, as well as they're playing. And, and after the clunker Arkansas had last night, I, I'm sure Alabama is going to be favored to win. But there's some things to like about the matchup. You know, and if Arkansas brings it, they're more than capable. They went in there and won last year, and they could certainly do it again. Last one from Nick Headley. How do they address the problem with turnovers? Yeah, you know, they've been a little bit up and down with that. Um, I think last night – it must have been the combination of, of LSU mixing up defenses. The more I think about it, I, I think that must have just had them baffled a little bit. I know they were prepared for it. You know, LSU didn't necessarily do a lot for the first time against Arkansas. I don't think there were a lot of surprises there, and I know that Musselman had those guys prepared and, and made adjustments and things like that. But, you know, I think a combination of, of it, you know, seeing that look in person on the floor for the first time uh, and, you know, then just kind of the – it's almost like they were in a little bit of a fog in terms of their focus. It's not a not a good combination in terms of ball security for sure. Uh, you know, overall, I, it's interesting because they, they were on a run where they were making, you know, 200 passes per game and running up crazy, you know, 20 assists to six turnover games and things like that. And, you know, I, I think they're probably still trying to find <laughs> – you know, their consistency in terms of the rotations and, and building chemistry with one another on the floor. You kind of had that. Then you lost Justin. And I know we were to a point where we don't need to be talking about that anymore, but it did kind of reset them in terms of, well, now we got to find the lineups that work, you know, and, 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 and the right combinations and things like that. So I think that's probably why we've seen a little bit of an uptick. And, you know, hopefully as, as they continue to play and then get Justin back, uh, who really runs the offense and understands the schemes well, hopefully they'll start to go down a little bit. Because I, I agree, uh, you know, when you're not getting shots on possessions and you're creating other possessions for the opponent by turning the ball over, uh, that, that, can be, that can be a little bit, of a, little bit of an issue for sure. Okay. I think it just about covers it. Like I said, no need to no need to abandon ship just yet. I, I know that was a frustrating loss. I agree. I was frustrated. Everybody's frustrated, but a lot of basketball left to be played. Arkansas is still in a good position. Like I said, number twenty nine in the net. You got a great opportunity this weekend. They got to bring it. Okay, but no reason to believe that they won't do that. Um, 
This team's bounced back. They've showed some resiliency throughout the year. Musselman's a good coach, and so I think they'll be okay. Appreciate everybody listening today. Remember, you know, throw us a like, rate, review. All those things help. We will be back, uh, I believe, a week from today after that Auburn game. Hopefully, we're all feeling a little bit better uh, at that point about where the Hogs are. Hopefully, they've got some more health. Uh, but at any rate, I've enjoyed it. It's been fun. Enjoy the weekend. Cheer on those Hogs on Saturday. We will see you next time on Hog Hoops Live.